Go Loud presents the Lennon Courtney podcast. Series 9 of the Lennon Courtney podcast is coming very, very soon. And in the meantime, follow us on all social for all the latest updates. Well, what a day it is for me. My former wife, my former daughter, my child protege, Zoe Hardman, TV and radio broadcaster, co-founder of parenting platform Made by Mamas and superstar of Heart FM in London, joins us today to talk about all things entrepreneurial, being a mama, even even maybe a little touch of early menopause. Hello, darling. Oh, my God. Former wife. I love that. When did we get divorced? Do you remember that night someone thought you were my girlfriend and like you couldn't take that face horror face off? And I was like, genuinely mortified like that. (laughs) <laughs> you were like, and no. you said, at least daughter. And I was like, and then I... <laughs> do you know what, Brendan? For those listening that don't know, Brendan is basically the reason. And Sonia, I don't know if you know this either, is the reason that I am a presenter today because I was 19 years old, fresh <laughs> as a daisy, arrived in London and was like, mm, I'm going to be a TV presenter. And then I suddenly quickly realized that actually that was really fucking hard. And so I went to get a job, a temp job, on the reception of FlexTech, which, um, then was Flextech and that was like Living, Bravo, Radio 1 was right next door. It was like where all the cool kids were hanging out. And then the most beautiful man walked in, Brendan, and then next <laughs> to him, another really beautiful man, another man called Dave. And Brendan like minced over to me and was like, who are you? And I was like, I was just, I'm just so at work on the reception. And he was like, you're really pretty. You should be a presenter. And I was like, well, actually, I, I, I want to be. And he was like, you need to get a show reel. And he basically was like, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to film. This is how you should do it. And I got it together. And then the rest is history. So Aww. thanks, mate. Oh, you're very welcome. And I was right. I've got a great eye for talent. <laughs> and I'd like to say that speaking as his second wife, you're very welcome on the podcast. <laughs> I taught him well, didn't I? I really did. You domesticated him. <laughs> you, know you know what, Sonia? You know what we forgot? Like, that's, a, that's kind of the story that we, we sort of always, because we haven't seen each other in so long. So he has three children now um, and married and, it's, you know, and a very successful business as well, apart from the broadcasting career. Uh, but that's the kind of, and then we remembered, we used to present a late night IT dating show called Playdate together and we were like and the only when we were recently hanging out we both went oh yeah by bizarre coincidence we got to work together do you remember that and we were like yeah I forgot about that and why we laughed about that just crazy because I'd just come off my first ever TV show, which was called Playing It Straight, which was for Channel 4. And it was a date. I thought it was just like a regular dating show, Sonia. And then we were flown to Mexico. And when I was in Mexico, June Sarpong was the presenter. She came out and I was like, oh, this is going to be great. There's 10 hot guys sitting around me. And she was like, some of these guys are gay. Some of these guys are straight. And I remember pulling up the um, the tablecloth and like hiding underneath it going, oh, what? I was just here to get a tan and hang out with some guys wearing some, I don't know, some hats with... I don't know what I mean, it was just a bizarre experience for me and then off the back of that that's when I got the show and then who turned up the first day there Bren so it was really <sighs> weird so we were intrinsically linked into each other's and then he was like do you want to live in my flat this whole thing I mean many a tale many, many a tale to come out t- of this friendship yeah, exactly exactly but I suppose um, apart from our great love for you and Sonia of course has met you before um, 
I, I was explaining to Sonia just how well you're doing and how brilliant Made by Mamas is. So take us back to the journey, the start of Made by Mamas. It's a podcast and it's a, a parenting platform that supports mamas, I presume. But you told me a gorgeous story of how it started. You were very heavily pregnant in a cafe. Go. Yes. <laughs> yes. So Made by Mamas is the best thing that I've done aside from having my children, because for the first time, and I think anybody in the sort of creative industries or, you know, in broadcasting or media, they know that sometimes somebody else is pulling their pulling on their decision makings in terms of their careers. So somebody else is going, yeah, do you know what? You're right for that job or you're not right. And suddenly at the age of 34, I started my own business that I was completely in control of. And off the back of that, helping so many other women who suddenly thrown into motherhood and didn't have a fucking clue what they were doing. Um, I met my now business partner in a coffee shop in Cheltenham and I was a proper London girl, you know, through and through, had lived there for 20 years and suddenly I met this gorgeous rugby player and he was like, oh, I've just re-signed to Gloucester. And I was like, oh, cool. Is that near London? And he was like, no. I was like, okay, cool. Like, what what do you mean? Like, how are we going to see each other? And he was like, well, anyway, so this commuting long distance relationship started and then obviously I fell pregnant. And then there was a girl who was sitting in a coffee shop and she was a couple of tables away from me and she was reading a, a, a magazine and she sort of looked a bit sad. And as I got up to leave, I noticed that she had a bum and I was like, you okay. And she was like, not really. I'm pregnant. I'm living in the middle of Cheltenham. I know no one. And I was like, oh my gosh, I wasn't heavily pregnant. I was actually only about 12 weeks. I said, look, I haven't told anyone, but I'm pregnant too. And I am now living in Cheltenham. Where are we? Why are we walking around in wellies all day? Where are our friends? Where's the nearest cocktail bar? Um, and we, we, swapped, we switched numbers. We ended up living on the same street. Uh, we had our kids, th- our first babies, three weeks apart, which was so weird because I was two weeks early and she was two weeks late. So they were super close together. And um, we, we just, spent the next year like trying to figure out and navigate motherhood um, and every time we went on the late night Google searches we were terrified because we thought X, Y and Z was going on or we thought we were failing or we thought this and we thought that and we suddenly thought hang on a minute why don't we create a platform where parents can feel completely loved supported in a really non-judgmental way so we work with these amazing experts on sleep weaning feeding um, you know uh, body positivity you name it we talk about it and then our podcast came off the back of that and we're now in fourth series and it's yeah it's just wonderful it's just such a great a great community of fantastic parents all trying to figure it out (laughs) I think the story is made richer by like your your story with your own body has been uh, you know biblical like to, to think about what you have been through to be now a mother of three kids, uh, two pregnancies. Yeah. Um, it's, it's extraordinary. And I know uh, that our, our audience would love to hear a bit more about that. Yeah. So, I mean, I have spoken about it a lot, but I, I think it's really important to talk about any form of eating disorder publicly and openly because I really want to help other people um, going through it. Because when you're in the middle of an eating disorder, mine was anorexia, so I was a restrictor of food. There was in my head, I thought I would never, ever, ever get well because when you're in the middle of it, it's like I describe it as having the worst best friend you've ever had because you're so, so linked. And so, and I keep looking here because it's like a devil that sits on your shoulder constantly, just like, don't eat. You need to starve yourself. You don't need to eat that. You shouldn't eat that. You can't go to that restaurant. Da, da, da. Then on this side, you've got your angel going, where's the love for yourself? So it's like this really weird and twisted friendship. And um, it gets you in so deep that you feel you'll never get out. But 
luckily I did. And I had to really go through it. Like I had to really do some soul searching. And I would say to anybody that's in it that the best advice is to go and seek professional help. If you can start, for me, the little opening in the door was when I suddenly put my head through and said, help me, because it was so dark. You know, it was really, really dark. So I did the 12 steps. I went to OA. And when I went into OA, I was like kind of kicking and screaming going, well, Overeaters Anonymous, what? Well, I don't need to be in a room with these people. Like, well, they're, they're overeaters. But I soon realized that overeaters, bingers, anorexics, you know, we all have a problem with control. And so it was actually this beautiful moment of feeling like I was home, that people in the room understood me, that people were telling stories about binging and purging and, you know, starving. And it was all the same. So I really went through it and came out the other side. And I was very lucky to, to recover the way that I have. Yeah, it's a big, it's a big one. It's a big, biggest thing, really. And and I think again, like for for that to then move to the point where y- your body kind of played another cruel trick on you and and took control away again, if you like, you know, early menopause for somebody who had experienced the pain of not having children through your sister Catherine. That that's a double whammy, isn't it? Yes, although. For me, her pain is far worse than mine because, you know, menopause is not just about, you know, not having your periods again or, you know, going into sort of, hate using that like next phase of life, but having to kind of cope with all of those physical things that go on. But it also takes away your fertility. Luckily for me, I was I was able to have my kids, which is just every single day, even when I'm pulling my hair out, how lucky am I to have had that? I, I really do. I really do count my blessings because I didn't think it was going to happen. My sister, however, it, it was too far gone for her. So she never got to have her kids. That's just desperate. That is desperate. And my heart breaks for her, even though she's done a lot of feeling and she's in a really great place. How, how do you ever really cope with that? So yeah, I mean, listen, I am in early, I'm in, I, I guess you'd call it POI, premature ovarian failure, which is slightly different to, I'm not, in menopause, I'm perimenopausal. So I have a lot of the symptoms that somebody going into menopause would experience, which are not particularly fun. Um, <laughs> but again, knowing that my family history was so strong, I was able to get help quite early on. A lot of women will experience these symptoms for between seven to 10 years and they won't ever get any help or they keep getting turned away from the doctor. And that's really cruel. So I went straight onto HRT and I'm like that. 21 again like I do feel like I've got my libido back my energy levels are back you know we're playing around with the amount of estrogen that I'm taking but um, I'm in the system and it's working which is which is really great so just uh, I, I'm sure you want to come in as well but I, yeah. I really I really feel your story with Catherine uh, my sister it, it's not it's not the same story but it's similar in that she would would have loved to have, ca- have had kids and and now she's in the most wonderful relationship and I know Catherine has stepkids as well she does, my sister yeah. has two beautiful stepkids and uh, my sister um, and myself we talk about the fact that we are same ingredients different cake and um, we could not be more different and um, we're talking cheese um, and Ash is basically has the constitution of um, a woodland animal she really likes to sleep and um, she's <laughs> <laughs> she's, kind of, she's quite gentle. She likes her comfort. And um, so I said to her, you know, the universe gave you two stepchildren so that you didn't have to go through pregnancy, birth, loss of sleep, pain. So you've got what you needed, you know. So sometimes the, what what we're looking for comes from um, a different direction than we expected. It's exactly the same as, as mine, Sonia. You know, she's she's exactly the same. We're chalk and cheese as well. And sometimes I'll ring her on a Saturday morning and, and it will be, I will have come off 
air. So like 9am and I'll be calling her on my drive home thinking, oh, it's half past nine now, you know, like, and then just, hello. I'm like, what? What? And she'd be like, it's having a lion. I'm like, no, you're not allowed. You're not, you can't have a lion. Um, so I do say that to her. I'm like, you have a week of being mum and then you have a week of just being um, a lover and a, and a partner and a wife. And, you know, you get to have lions. <laughs> I give you a laugh I give you a laugh I was talking to my sister this morning right and we're planning a trip my dad is 83 we're planning a trip to India whenever whenever that's okay again and uh, I said to my sister you know we really are going to have to be very mindful of dad's capacity for walking um, you know he's not like last time I was there we covered you know uh, maybe 15 kilometres 20 kilometres on foot a day we're not going to be able to do that we're going to have to get transport everywhere so that he doesn't get worn out yeah. and I was like yeah 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 sounds brilliant <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. She's like that. Will the car be following us as we walk? <laughs> Tired now. <laughs> so yeah, there you go. That's brilliant. Well, yeah. I mean, I th- I think that's um, that's kind of similar. But obviously, as I don't know if you felt this pain as well, Sonia. But as the sister, I'm the younger sister. You know, there was a moment where I said to her, "Well, I'll carry your baby. You know, mm-hmm. like I'll give you my eggs. I've only got a few left, mm-hmm. but I'll carry a baby for you." And 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 then and then we were kind of like, no, because I don't think I could have like hats off to anybody. Like, it's not like she had an egg to give to me. It would have been my egg and I would have been carrying a baby for her and then giving her my baby. And I was yeah. just like, I just cannot do that. I just, we, we talked about it, you know, it, can I be the host? Can we try and get eggs from somewhere? Can it be an egg donor? You know, we went through all of that, but fundamentally it was a ticking time bomb for me. And I knew that, you know, we had to move quickly before uh, the specialist told me that it was hereditary. If it was happening to her, it happened to my mum, my granny, then I was next. So I knew that I really at that point just had to concentrate on having my children. And she she accepted that. She accepted that. Wow. She's an amazing person. Yeah, as as is mine. Yeah. You know, it's funny. So I, I um, interviewed two two really good friends of mine about their menopause journey and so I we're but we're all really conscious that we have a broad spectrum of listener here and some some women you know have been through it some women haven't been through it my daughter is 16 her friends listen to this podcast so they're going to be going what are you talking about but I think the, the reality is that you know it's such a unique experience in that everybody's menopause journey seems to be so completely different from the extreme kind of skipping through it to the extreme lack of medical support diagnosis, lack of treatment, you know, our inability to get the treatment right. That it's this kind of broad church. Um, But, but the good news is that people like you are addressing it now. And and you must've really seen that kind of groundswell of, um, of conversation around this. Yes. And thank you for saying that, because it's really important. That's why I really am using my voice to try and raise awareness around it. Because let's be honest, your daughters and her friends listening to this podcast. Hello to you. You're 16. Great. But are you being taught at school about your fertility? Do you know that you're born with a finite number of eggs? You know, we're all taught here's a banana, put a condom on it, don't get pregnant. But at the point that we want to have our children, is it too late? You know, because we're having children later and later and later in life. You know, had we been told earlier about this, this diagnosis, this problem, my sister would have frozen her eggs in her 20s. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a daughter, biological daughter, Luna, and a stepdaughter, Isla. We are already having those conversations in the house and they are very young. Because, you know, I'm not saying we need to go to the clinic and get your eggs frozen, <laughs> but, you know, we're talking about periods, we're talking about our cycles, we're talking about, you know, stuff that happens to us as women, because we're lucky enough to live in this age in 2021, where these conversations are now having, uh, are being had at home. It's so 
important you know the menopause doesn't just happen to 55 year old women who are in the corner with a fan at work wearing a blouse or at home going oh, oh i don't i can't work out whether it's the potatoes or me <laughs> it's like you know no, no, we're fucking kick-ass women who have careers who are, who, are, who, who are trying to do it all but also going through the biggest thing that's going to happen in our lives and half the population are going to go through it but you also might go through it. I mean, we just interviewed somebody called Hayley Cockman. What an amazing woman. 14 years old, she went through the menopause. 14. She, her That's period started at 13. And at 14, they stopped. And she had horrendous symptoms. And I interviewed her. And she was like, I didn't even start to process or unravel what had happened to me until I was in my mid-20s. And I'd been on HRT for 10 years. And all my friends were having children. And it was too late for me. So listen, I would just say to the younger listeners of this podcast, you have to have the conversations with your mothers, have them with your grannies if they're still alive, anybody in your family that you can find the link with, ask them and just be aware that if you have your children later, there may be problems. Wow. I'm really interested. So our whole thing, um, I'm sure Brendan mentioned that we're doing a master's in business EDR. My big kind of clarion call certainly is uh, gender equality in the workplace. Mm. And I think that, you know, there, there is a big issue with sort of pipeline progression from women to the top tier of leadership. And, you know, from my, my thinking is, you know, unless decision-making tables are gender equal, then it's not representative of the population. So we need as many women as men around those tables to make sure that the decisions are fit for everybody. I have a feeling that part of the reason is because um, we haven't addressed the issue of menopause in the workplace um, and that women can lose their confidence, uh, lose their footing, lose days in the workplace because of the symptoms. Um, And so many have so many women have spent so many years undiagnosed in this kind of brain fog um, slightly displaced. Um, I, I think that has to be a factor. Um, and in fact, Kellogg's came out this week and announced that they're going to give uh, time off for menopause yeah. symptoms, which is just fantastic. It, it feels like we're really entering a new era. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I just hosted a panel for Superdrug uh, last week and we were talking about because they, they, they did a survey and asked all of their employees what was the one thing they felt was missing from the workplace in terms of, you know, support or Uh, things that they were feeling were coming up between them as employees, but not as employers. Uh, And, and it was menopause and it was menopause that came out of the top. So they were like, look, what can we do? Let's get some people to have a discussion around it. They had a doctor there. I told my story. So you're right. Things are changing. But for me, sorry, Bren, before you cut in, us, us as women that are going through it, we have to have the confidence to go into our employees, employers and say to them, look, this is what's going on. This is how I'm feeling, which is what I had to do to, you know, a couple of men who are 40 and don't know anything about it and in floods of tears and tell them that I was experiencing brain fog, you know, dizziness to headaches, low libido, dryness. And I felt fucks and I couldn't do my radio show. And they were like, oh, my gosh, what do you need? Amazing. Yeah. But was that was that the reality 10 years ago? Probably not. And go even further back. Definitely not. I remember my mother saying to my sisters, not every woman goes through menopause. I do love your mum, but... (laughs) That's slight denial of her own journey, right? So it was even like the big C. We didn't talk about, you know, so the change has happened very quickly. That conversations are happening. It feels like menopause is the last conversation to be had 
And it's ironic that older women at the, are at the end of the food chain when it comes to conversations about sexuality and, and our bodies. You know what I mean? It's right. well, or, it, well, it's not ironic even. It's, it's kind of, it's typical that, you know, women are at the end of that conversation. They're the last people to, be, to have this conversation addressed. So it's kind of annoying at the same time, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. And you're dead right there, Brendan, that, uh, that we are, <laughs> we're finally going, Oh, hang on a minute. This has been happening to us for a really, really, really long time, but we haven't said anything because we haven't been given the space to say something or we didn't feel we could say something. But here we are. Knock, knock, knock. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm so, so, so proud of where, we, where we're getting to with it. And I think there's still loads more to come. Like Lisa Snowden is doing amazing things in that space. Davina McCall's doing incredible, having incredible conversations. So, but what I'm trying to do is look at it from a, you know, a slightly younger perspective that actually your symptoms can start, you know, in your thirties, in your early forties, not just 55 and you think it's just going to happen and then you're over it. So yeah, if you do, this is a message to anybody listening that is feeling like, where are these symptoms coming from? You know, really get in tune with your body. How are you feeling? Go to your GP if you think you've got any of the hot flushes, any of the normal ones. But also, you know, there's a lot of anxiety. I mean, my anxiety was through the roof as my estrogen just disappeared. And that is something that we might not realize or recognize. And we go to the doctors and they might try and put us on antidepressants, for example. And, you know, actually, maybe you just need to have your blood levels taken and you need to see what's happening with your hormones. Brilliant advice. You're, yes. a brilliant, you're, you're a brilliant human. You're a brilliant human. It's funny. It's, and there is, and I'm a gay man. I'm a gay man now. But it, um, it, it's a, a conversation that is difficult for men to have because it's something we can never relate to. Parenting we can relate to. You know, periods and menopause are something that men really... But I grew up with two sisters. I went and got tampons. And, the, you know, I was very much around, the you know, the change in my sister's body. So I'm not afraid to talk about it at all but it's another thing to you know to as you said you're so lucky that those two bosses in that radio network said what can we do how can we help you know it was amazing and that was lucky wasn't it so lucky so lucky and I'm I'm really I I think global as a whole but heart in particular you know they they're really making leaps and bounds in trying to look after us and actually Mother Pucker Anna Whitehouse who's obviously a huge campaigner for Flexapil she's obviously joined the roster and since she's come in there we're all a bit like hey Anna and she's like (laughs) 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 can you just and then we all go in together because actually now we've got a bit of clout to be able to get some of our uh, some of our ideas across and some of our uh, you know upsets and concerns and stuff so yeah it's a great place to work it really is actually um, she, she's another fabulous human and to give you an indication of how um, how liquid and flowing this conversation is we normally take a scheduled break at 15 minutes but we've decided to eschew that so if the edit <laughs> is a little bit clunky it's only because we were having too much fun to stop so we, we are this is the Pearls of Wisdom um, series Bef- before we get to your Pearls of Wisdom I'd love you to talk even in bullet point terms about some of the myths around menopause and um, because there are loads out there that abound um yeah i mean i guess the biggest myth is that menopause can only happen in your 50s i mean we just see it as an older person's or an older woman's issue that is a total myth um um another big myth unless and look listen i'm not a doctor here um i'm not a medical professional but there is a lot of scaremongering that's happened over the years with regards to hrt if you if you haven't had breast cancer or you haven't got a family history of it or, you know, your uh, cholesterol blood pressure isn't high or anything like that, 
there isn't a link between HRT and breast cancer. Obviously, in certain situations, you cannot take it. So I hear you. Somebody in their 30s, like myself, in your 40s, estrogen is an essential part of being a woman. It is very detrimental and actually a criminal uh, it's criminal that women are living without it. For me, it can lead to terrible issues with your bones. It can lead to issues with heart health. Um, obviously, things like hair, libido, dryness, sex, all of that sort of stuff. If you take estrogen away, it can open up a world of problems for us as women. So for me, HRT was the best thing that ever happened to me. I did try and go down the herbal route. I did try and have acupuncture. And for ages, I was like... I can do this. I can do this because again, I thought, Oh, HRT, X, Y, and Z. And then I just spoke to a lot of people, you know, did a lot of reading around it, had a great doctor. And she was like, you're 37. You have to absolutely have to have it. So um, I think for me, those are the two biggest myths. So uh, the, the made by mama's podcast and platform is about sharing pearls of wisdom, isn't it? Yes. And admitting when you've made a monumental fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) That was a really beautiful segue, Brand. That was, I loved what you did there. You brought the two podcasts together and made them kiss. Brilliant. (laughs) But it is about sharing pearls of wisdom. And a pearl of wisdom could be about knowing when you're wrong or you've messed up, right? Yes. Is there any standout pearls of wisdom as a young parent that you have learned going, I mean, You've three kids in a very short space of time. You know, yeah. I met you, you were a baby. <laughs> you know, now yeah. you have three babies. Yes, yes. And actually, I guess the first one is about being a step parent. And because my eldest daughter um, is my stepdaughter, I've known her since she was 15 months old and she taught me how to be a mother. And for me, I think the first pearl of wisdom is learning to love unconditionally another person's child and let's just say it how it is like she is my daughter but she has a mother and a father and what you know for a while I questioned who I am like who am I what's my role you know does she love me can I love her the same I mean it's just anybody that's a step parent listening or has a step parent will know you know, the intricacies of that relationship. And actually it is the biggest success in my life because firstly, I changed her nappies. I, you know, I I potty trained her. I helped with, you know, all of these, these monumental milestones in her life. I am her parent, you know, label it what the fuck you want, but I am her parent. She has two amazing parents, but that role is so important. And we are best friends. She's the easiest one to parent. I mean, her and I have discussions about everything and it's the biggest and bestest success really for me. So that's like the first one. And I think anybody listening that's struggling being a step parent, always think about the child because fundamentally Isla wants her parents to be together, like break it down. She wants mummy and daddies to be together. So if that cannot happen, try and be there for her and try and have that love and understanding that it's not about you it's about them you you said something when we were hanging out the last time which i've never heard another parent say and you describe her as being easy to parent and even the use of those verbs and adjectives was really interesting to me because then you said your firstborn, your daughter like she's firehouse and you were like she's tricky to parent (laughs) luna yeah (laughs) Luna, yeah. Tell me about that dis- description. That sounds very, <laughs> it's a very modern way of approaching. It's like you're tricky to parent now. <laughs> and I and I think about this one a lot because I th- I, I think about is it because Isla's oh, my stepdaughter and Luna I birthed Luna, so I do have that those thoughts in my head, and and maybe that has got something to do with it. But fundamentally, 
I can say to the other two, you know, I've got a younger son as well, Kit. I can say to the other two, like, okay, put your pajamas on, and I can say it once, and they can put their pajamas on, and I can say to Luna, okay, Luna, put your pajamas on, and she'll go, <laughs> and I'll go, okay, Luna, put your pajamas on, and then she'll go. It's like she's going. <laughs> And I go, okay, come on now, come on now. And I'll say it 50 times. And she's still staring at me, think, going, you don't control me. And I, that's, that's when I break it down, like you, you, you sometimes get that. And she's super strong and that's what we want. And I want her to be a firecracker. But I also just want her to get her pajamas on. Like, it's not that difficult. It's not that difficult. Um, you have to read, you have to read Choice Theory by William Glasser. Okay. It was Brendan's recommendation. And it's about, uh, among other things, it's about the relations, relationships, the specific relationships we have with our partners, husbands, wives and children, and that they are the only relationships in our lives that we feel we have the right to exercise control. So we never have that kind of jeopardy with um, with our friends because we don't expect to control them. Um, and we and, and grandparents never have that jeopardy with grandchildren because they don't expect to control them. But there's loads in it um, around our own relationship with control, particularly when it comes to children. I think you'd really enjoy it. That's really interesting. <laughs> Sonia, firstly, I have not read anything other than the back of a cowpole bottle. <laughs> <laughs> Five years. How many meals? Okay, great. Go. Um, so, okay, that could be my first my first book. Audio, audio book. Audio. Okay, great, excellent. And secondly, I get that because I understand about control. But I mean, as a parent, I'm not trying to control them. I just I, they can't go to school naked or in their pajamas. I hear you. So it's like it's so interesting. But you're right. And sometimes when I say to Luna, "Look, please, please, you're making me really sad," and she goes. Okay, I understand that emotion. So I'm gonna put, I'll take my pajamas off. So already, she's like, ah! she's she's getting it. And I think, yeah, people listening will understand that one. That there's always her EQ is a thousand miles ahead of anyone else I know for a five-year-old. Um, and so that's why I'm hanging on to. She's kind of like me, but she's like a tiny version kind, that can't. Kind of like you. I think she's quite like you. <laughs> she's a little bit like me. Um, but yeah, it's 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 amazing. And um, the kids really miss Isla when she's not with us. So that's also something to navigate. You know, when you have a stepchild that goes back to their other parents' house, and we have her for a week, she goes away for a week, and then we have to deal with that as well. So there's a lot, there's a lot going on. Well, all the answers are on the podcast. Oh, yeah, oh, the, the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and also with the podcast, I'll say, you know, we do two episodes a week. The Tuesday episode is always with a famous face, whether it be, you know, a mom or a dad. Um, and then the, the Friday episode, we open up to our listeners and it's always a Q&A around something. Um, and we, we, they get to choose basically what we're doing the Q&A about um and we have spoken to some incredible people i mean like forget your joe wicks and and your jules olivers who are obviously big names but also just amazing stories of parenting like two best friends one of them fell pregnant the other one couldn't and after seven years the other best mate carried her baby and they were all in the delivery suite together and she handed over this baby that she'd carried to her best friend so they could i mean like wow yeah, it's it's amazing. really really important, um, and I'm I'm super proud of it. So I hope people like it. And then, of course, you're working uh, every Saturday and Sunday morning on Heart, and that's going really well. I mean, I've been at Heart for like nine years. years. Oh, I feels like a hundred years. Less than Jamie, more than Amanda. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we've got a lovely little a lovely little roster of presenters. It's a great you know we just had record numbers at Rajar. People like it. Like I was driving in during lockdown, and I had 
oh my god lockdown we haven't even touched on that have we but obviously at home parenting working and I had this piece of paper that I had to print off that said I was a key worker and we got the choice to record at home right and I was like they were like so we want to ask you if you want to record I was like no I'm going in <laughs> and I'd get in the car and I would turn my car into an Ibiza nightclub volume up loud with this piece of paper and then when the police would be you'd be like that key worker and then you'd go in and it was just like a holiday to get away from everyone and so radio really was the hero throughout that whole experience and I, sure, love, yeah. I love every moment yeah. of it it's brilliant well Zoe Hardman we love you try and get rid of me yet Brendan no 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 um she, she doesn't question. say much she doesn't say much but when she does it's time for Esther's question okay Esther give it to me yeah she doesn't say much she was late for the recording but here she is she just sat there silent for the whole thing well I'm obviously going to lower the tone because I'm going for the kind of showbiz side of things we've heard about menopause fascinating all very interesting but what is your show busiest moment over the years I know on the heart website you talked about like being in Cannes and like trailing Paris Hilton and stuff but is that the that was mad yeah what what was that oh my god that was insane that was the, the 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 most bizarre three days of my life I was down there filming for an online channel and we had this massive villa. I was really, I was like 25, just like loving it. And then they were like, we've managed to get access to Paris Hilton. And I was like, fucking hell, this is going to be fun. <laughs> anyway, so I was like, what does that entail? And they were like, you're going to travel in the car with her. You're going to try and get some <laughs> interviews along the way. You're going to go to some parties with her. Because one of our producers was really good mates with her. So I was like, okay, cool, fine. I can do that. Anyway, you can imagine it. I have never seen anything quite like it paparazzis chasing us, people hounding her, shouting at her. You know, we were on boats together. I mean, at one point she turned around to me and she was like, hey girl, here's some sparkly lip gloss. We're going to be sparkly lip gloss bitches. And I was like, <laughs> okay, sure. And, like, <laughs> um, and at the, I remember going back to her hotel room, right? And she, oh, I can't believe I was saying this. She was dating one of the guys from the Hills at the time. I think his name was Doug. Doug, I feel that's right. Anyway, they were only in Cannes for a week and the amount of luggage that they had. And then he brought out this, um, their sunglasses rack, which they bought with them. And no joke, there was a hundred sunglasses in here. And he was like, hey, Paris, which sunglasses should I wear? And she was like, hey, babe, try this one on. Try this one. And I was just like, what is this? Get I remember leaving the hotel room going, that was one of the weirdest but best experiences of my life, right? Because they just live in a different world. So I yeah. feel like that, nothing will ever really top that because I don't think you get access like that now in this world. No. And maybe for the best. Maybe There's a few best. stories that I'm not telling you in that whole three days, but we'll just, we'll move on. Thank you so much for taking time to be with us today. And I can't wait for us to be back in London and um, to have more inappropriate outings. Yes, yeah. please. I look forward to it. Wow. <sighs>